Hey, Nothing is Wasted family, it's official. We have just launched our Nothing is Wasted community groups platform, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. What if you could find true, authentic community in the midst of your valley? Imagine walking this journey with people who are also walking the same valley as you and are committed to helping each other move through it in a God-honoring way. Imagine getting hopeful encouragement and helpful advice from folks who are just a little further along in the journey. Now, we've been imagining it for years now, and we're thrilled that it's finally become a reality in the form of Nothing is Wasted community groups. To join the groups, all you have to do is go to nothingiswasted.com slash community groups, click on join a group, and then it'll take you into the portal to create a login and a profile. From there, you can join a group or a couple of groups that apply to you and you can start making some connections. We believe there's going to be so much healing and so many lifelong friendships that come out of this. I can't wait to see what God does through it. Again, it's nothingiswasted.com slash community groups. Can't wait to see you there. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host. And joining me for the last episode, well, Maria, thank you again for joining (laughs) us. But we have a conversation today with Kelly Strife. Yes. And um, this this is a, it's a, it's a fairly heavy one, um, mm-hmm. purely because she is sharing her story in the middle of her grief, which we've had some of those a couple times. And man, it just sits really heavy. Lots of, um, just lots of fresh, raw emotion being communicated. And yeah. I think this is really important. You know, I, I encouraged I her. I said, hey, you should share your story in the middle of this grief. Have you found that that, you know, that that you see that being beneficial to other people? Was it beneficial for you? How would you, what's your journey been yes, like in that? Yes, I think that is one. I think it's unbelievably cra- courageous of her yeah. to be willing to do this and such a gift yeah. for other people. Um, and in fact, I, I was just talking about this with a friend about how we often don't share our journey while we're in it, mm-hmm. like our life on the floor journey, yeah, like, yeah, you know, when you right. just feel like life has knocked you down and yeah. you're on the floor. We often don't share about it when we're actually on the floor. Mm-hmm. We share about it after there's been like redemption and there's that like reflection and we can give this piece of hope. Yeah. Um, but but what I think we miss is that there's hope even on the floor, yeah. like with God. That's and right. Kelly shares that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's such a gift to yeah. all of our listeners. Um and it's such a unique perspective yeah. and and very few talk about it. So right. again, that just goes back to, she's just so courageous right. to be willing, be willing to share. Well, and, yeah. And I think when you're in the middle of it, you can really, uh, you can really empathize and speak into things that people are actually feeling. Oh yeah. On the other side of it, sometimes you don't, I don't know if you necessarily like fully, you don't forget about it, right. but you do forget some of the depths of how you were feeling it. 
And so, That's so true. this is why you see, you know, I, I blogged a lot in the middle of all of mm-hmm. it and did not realize how much my blogs were helping other people. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to d- convey somehow what was going on in my right. heart. And I've had so many other friends that I've interacted with, they've done the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like there was a season where they wrote a whole lot and it impacted people so, yep. so much because they shared in the middle yeah. of their grief. And I think that bolsters our faith even more than when you're on a mountaintop looking back going like, right. wow, look what we got through. You know, you can right. get through it too. Like, I think in the midst of it where you see someone who is struggling, but they have this resolve to go, I'm still trusting. Mm-hmm. And it hurts like hell, but I am still exactly. trusting Jesus has a plan in this. Yeah. And you know what else it it also does is then as we get to that mountaintop, mm-hmm. like for us, as we reflect back on those yep seasons of intense suffering, like we can look back and see what God has brought us through. Yes. And it makes me think of the Israelites when they were crossing, yes. um, come on, pastor, help yeah, me. Yeah, they're crossing Jordan, the Jordan River. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And then like the 12 remembrance exactly. stones yep. and how those were like their, yep. their remembrance of what God brought them through in the midst of like, gosh, you got to imagine like what they must've been feeling and thinking oh, during absolutely. all of that. Um, absolutely. And I can resonate like yep. it, fear anxiety? Will the waters cave? Will God really hold this up? Are we really going to make it over? It's been such a long journey already. Is this really Hmm. the promised land? Like there's just so much that goes into that, that resonates with such an intense season of suffering. And then those remembrance stones. um, And I think like you're writing in the midst of Mm. your intense season of suffering, Kelly talking here, me, like in my writing, I think those are our remembrance stones for when you know, we reach the next, right. whatever and, it's going to be. And the cool thing about, in, like, when you look at the story of the Israelites and the remembrance stones, mm-hmm. that area that they crossed over, I'm about to go major pastor on you oh, for a you, second. You go. It's called Gilgal, mm-hmm. which means circle. And the reason it's called circle is because it wasn't just, that wasn't the only instance that that, that, that was a crossing, a place of the crossing. Mm-hmm. It was multiple times throughout the Israelites' history. So you see Elijah has a crossing right there. Elisha has a crossing right there. You see that that was where Jesus got baptized. Mm. You see that this was uh, close to the same place that um, I believe Jacob was at as well. Mm -hmm. So all of these times where where God was bringing his people back to the same place to remind them of his faithfulness. And when we set up stones like that, we're reminding other people of God's faithfulness. Oh, that's it's so testimony good. to like, hey, he's been good in my life. He can be good in your life. Yes. And I'll do a shameless plug for our Israel trip because you will that's learn good. a lot more about that if you come to Israel with us. We'll oh, actually hey. go to that saint, that spot. Oh, I want to go. Where the Israelites crossed over. So nothingiswaste.com slash Israel. That sounds awesome. Come with us in October and you'll learn yeah, some of this stuff. Yeah, I want to go. It's powerful when you go and see it, you know, and you yeah. experience it and go, wow, this this lays over our life mm-hmm. like this. And it really speaks to, and Kelly Kelly's story speaks to just the power of sharing your story. That's it, yep. Like it, it's so, so powerful mm-hmm. and impactful to yeah. share your story because you're retelling who God is right. to somebody else Absolutely. in your own personal life. Absolutely. Well, speaking of sharing stories, yeah. we'd love for you to share. 
Share your story with us, nothingiswasted.com yes. slash stories. You can mm-hmm. go and do that. Share what that you're listening to this with us. If you go and follow us on Instagram, Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Yes. We would love to see and you know interact with you there. Give us a, a shout out. We'll, we'd love to kind of forward that over and tell other yes. people what you're uh, what you're learning in this and share it with other people as well. Yep. Also, why don't you share with us how these stories are impacting you by rating and reviewing Nothing yeah. Is Wasted on iTunes. Yep, that would be great. We love reading those. Um, and uh, so pause this, go and do that. And then yes. you can press on pause and you can <laughs> listen to this conversation that I have with Kelly Strife. Kelly, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. You came all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. That's right. That is so fun. Yes. Uh, did you fly Delta? That's the big question. Oh, goodness. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> I, I'm a Delta girl, but my husband is a Southwest man. Ah, and so I My husband's have, a smart man. <laughs> are you Southwest? Well, anytime we can. I just love and I enjoy Southwest as a company in general. I right? know. Yep. And so, it's very convenient. But everything in and out of Atlanta feels like Delta. It is. Everything is, <laughs> except for us. I have no status because I always fly with him. So I fly all the time and have zero points. Oh, but. man. That's awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about your life in Atlanta. Tell us, um, you know, we were talking before we went on air. You're telling me some of the things you do. I'd love for our listeners to to hear that. What are you a part of? What's your family like? Yeah. So my husband and I have been married for about two and a half years. He works in live event production. So he oh. tours. He, he's actually right now wrapping up a tour with for King and Country. Wow. Um, he's been that on the road cool. with them. Yeah. What exactly does he do? Sorry. We're going to, I'm just really fascinated with this. <laughs> he's, the, he's been their production manager for this most wow. recent tour. Yeah. That is so cool. So I got to it's join either them in Atlanta or Nashville that you're going to run into a live production. Well, that, see, he was a Nashville was guy, okay. but I was an Atlanta girl, so All right. he moved to Atlanta. That's but, awesome. Yeah. So he does that. And I, I uh, work for a nonprofit that does orphan care in Southwest Kenya. It's called Oasis for Orphans. Very cool. So we're, we're on the road frequently, but love being in Atlanta when we get to be home. Wow. I bet. Now, what part of Atlanta do you, just out of curiosity? At Grant Park area. Grant People Park. People are familiar with Atlanta. Okay. East Atlanta, it's the best place to be. Yeah. So I lived in Birmingham for a while oh, and then yeah. went to school in Greenville, South Carolina. So I would always drive right through Atlanta, but I'm not sure if that route takes me there, 20 to 85. I'm not sure. Yeah. That's yeah. very cool. Awesome. Well, Kelly, you have, um, you've got an, a, a really tough story. I mean, a very, uh, it's a, it's an, it's an incredible one in the sense that you're using it right now, mm. even as it's so fresh. Um, you know, right before we got on the air, I even asked you, Hey, how long ago was this, that this happened? And just what you told me, six months just sat yeah. really heavy on me. And um, and so I think this is going to be a really powerful conversation. But why don't you take us back and talk to us a little bit, uh, you know, give us maybe some backstory. And then and then what, what was this tragedy that came yeah. into your life? Yeah. So my husband and I, like I said, we've been married for about two and a half years. We got married when I was 37. Um, and I know all the single girls that are younger than that <laughs> listening just said a silent prayer. Please, Jesus, don't let that be me. I know. Um, but, <laughs> so, hey, I would love for you to speak to that at some point, too, in this conversation. Absolutely. That would be really cool. Yeah. So I was 37. He's a little younger. Shh, don't, don't broadcast <laughs> that. Um, but I'd waited a long time to get married, and I was mm. working for an all-girls camp when we met. So I was not 
anticipating that would be the place I would meet my husband, but he wow. came in to produce some of our events and we met um, and got married. And it was like just the Lord fulfilled this desire that I'd had in my life for so long. It was a sweet season of just being like, yes, Lord, like hmm. you have, you've brought this man into my life. Um, but because of my age, we started trying to have kids pretty quickly and, you know, entered this, this next season of waiting where we were just going like, God, we don't know what you have for us here, mm. um, but we are praying and hoping and believing that you will give us a child. Um, and after about, um, we've been trying to get pregnant for a little over a year. And um, I had just wrapped up some testing um, to find out what, what our chances were. And our doctor had said, you know, um, she said, I'm not saying you won't get pregnant on your own, but it's not as likely mm. that you will. Um, so I'm recommending that you start kind of looking into other options and um, so we started having those conversations and, um, the next week I got a positive pregnancy test and wow. it was just kind of this fulfillment of like, right. yes, Lord, all of these things that I've waited for and longed for are, are falling into place. Um, and so we got pregnant, um, in the fall of 2018 and, um, we were due in June of 2019, June of this year, and had really a pretty unremarkable pregnancy. Um, didn't really have major issues, didn't have any any um, inkling that mm. something might not be right. Um, and our daughter was due on June 7th, and June 7th came and went, and um, a week later, actually six days later after her due date, I woke up one morning and thought, you know, she's not moving like she mm. normally does in the mornings. And so we did all the things they tell you you're supposed to try and then called the doctor and said, hey, can we just come check? Um, mm. And so we went, we went to the doctor and they, they called us back and they started listening for a heartbeat. Um, and then they took us into the ultrasound room and they um, hooked us up to the machines and they started looking and we could tell something wasn't right. Mm. Um, but we we're just kind of hoping, you know, hoping that we were wrong. And then the doctor looked at us and she said, there's no heartbeat. Huh. We're six days past her due date. Like we yeah. thought we were, we we're past all the milestones. Right. Um, and so they took us to the hospital, um, induced labor that night, and we delivered our, our baby girl the next day. Imogen Dorothy mm. is her name. Um, beautiful girl, six pounds, uh, 15 ounces, um, but, but she didn't have a heartbeat. Man. So we had to start the process of, of accepting and grieving that loss. Right. Wow. Kelly, um, you know, again, even as you, as you share that with me, like, I'm going back and just, you know, thinking about our most recent pregnancy and mm -hmm. thinking about all the different, like you said, those milestones that you hit where you kind of like breathe a sigh of relief and you go, whew, okay, wow. You know, and, right. and what many people may not know, I didn't know this, but, you know, my wife is 34 years old and in one year she would have been considered a, a high-risk pregnancy. Right. So over 35, I mean, you don't, they consider you like elderly pregnancy. So there's a <laughs> right. lot more risks. So I, you know, I imagine that that yeah. maybe you guys were feeling a lot of those same kinds of like some, some nervousness, some anxiety, you know, trying to, okay, Lord, we're going to trust you in this. Right. And, and then relief as, as you get through these milestones. Exactly. Can you, can you just talk to me about, you know, that initial, as, as things set in, as you got that news that there was no heartbeat and, 
talk to me about how you were feeling. What what was yeah. going on between you and you know you and your husband had this really strong relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. You yeah. got this faith, but but what was going on with your faith in that moment? Yeah. So at first, um, the the doctor at first when we could tell that something wasn't right, I said, you're not seeing a heartbeat. And she said, I'm not seeing a heartbeat. And I just immediately started just saying the name Jesus. All I could do was just start saying, Jesus, 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 you know? And the doctor said to me, she said, don't go there yet. Mm. And what she meant was, I haven't confirmed this yet. Yeah. But I'm thinking, you know, what do you mean? Don't. When do you go there? Mm-hmm. If not now, where else am I going to go right now? Wow, yeah. Except to 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 call out to Jesus, mm-hmm. because anything that I need right now is coming from Him. Mm-hmm. Everything I need is coming from Him. Ultimately, you know, I am asking and praying, like Jesus, let her be wrong. Jesus, yeah. you know, bring her, restore her heartbeat. Jesus, you know, and and we prayed for that the whole time we were induced and while we were delivering that that God would restore her heartbeat. We were praying and believing that He could, but also praying, you know, knowing that God, um, if you don't, and even if you don't. Um, I still need everything from you. Mm. If you don't do this, you're the only person who's going to give me strength and peace and courage and comfort to walk through this. Mm. Um, so where else am I going to go right now except Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you said that because the, um, you know, with, in, in our story, when I walked in to find mm. my late wife, Amanda, on our, on our living room floor, that's the only thing that would come out of my mouth. Really? Jesus, and it was Jesus, no, Jesus, no, Jesus, no, like this can't be happening right now. But it, you know, I've, I found myself, and I'm sure there's so many people that are listening to this, that they find themselves in these spaces where you're so out of control. Right. You are, I mean, it's one thing to feel like you're out of control in certain, but these are situations where you literally, there's nothing you can do. Right. And it's interesting what ends up coming to your heart and mind and pressing into the Lord of going, I can't. Like I've got nowhere else to go. Right. Like you're, you're, you are literally the only one that can do anything about this right now. Right. And people ask me early on, you know, how can you still believe in God mm. when this happens? And all I could think, you know, was um, like the passage where, where Jesus, he's, he's given this hard teaching and it says the people turned and walked away and he went to Peter and he said, what about you? Mm-hmm. And he said, Master, where else would I go? You have the words of eternal life. And that's what you're thinking in this moment. It's like, it's like, this is the worst thing I can imagine. And Jesus, yes, I want you to to do something and to change this. But even if you don't, where else would I go? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's um, some folks who, you know, maybe would have walked through something like this where, you know, you're, you're carrying a baby for 40 weeks right? and you're, you know, there's all this like, emotional energy that goes into it. So all this phys- physical energy, it causes so much duress on your body and so much adjustments for you as, as the woman who's carrying this to, to try to adjust through all of those different ups and downs of pregnancy, right? And then you get to this final moment where it's supposed to be like, okay, this is, it's all worth it now with the exactly. delivery and stuff. And then you guys, you know, found yourself um, not being able to experience that kind of joy, so to speak. Did you, did it ever cross your mind and heart to, to go, what was the point of this? Like, this seemed like it was wasted. Why did I carry this baby for 40 weeks? And how did, how have you wrestled through that? Yeah, definitely a lot of that because you do like you're, you're going through all the physical changes. Your body is changed permanently. You're going through the hormonal changes in those moments. You're, you're going through all of this and 
there were definitely moments where I started to go like, yeah, God, what was the point? Um, but then you have to stop and think, but would I trade this? Absolutely mm. not. Would I give up the nine months, you know, that I had knowing and loving this baby while she was growing inside of me? No. So mm. even though it feels like, um, even though it feels like uh, you don't get the, the joy and the benefit of going through it, you still go, but I want what I got. Mm. You know, I want every minute I had with her and I'm thankful for every minute I had with her and recognizing like her life matters even yeah. though it was so short, um, because yeah. because her life has a purpose and God is using her life mm. even now, even though she didn't take a breath here on earth, he's still using her life in so many ways. Mm. Um, one of the things I wrestled with a lot though is that I, I just felt cheated and I felt yeah. robbed, you know, like it felt like this is something that has like a, a certain outcome. And of course, nothing in life is completely certain, right, right. but it felt like, like you said, we've made it past all of these milestones. There's like a certain um, expectation right, exactly. of what's happening here. Yeah. And I just felt, I felt robbed. Mm. Um, and I was processing that with the Lord. And by processing, I mean like crying and mm. and just like unloading on the Lord, this feeling of like, God, I feel, I feel violated. Mm. I feel like something was taken, like she was stolen. And in that moment, I, I really, I heard the Lord really tenderly say to me, he said, no one can steal what you willingly surrender. Mm. And I, I like paused and I'm like, I don't think I heard that right. Like I'm expecting God to be wow. like, you're right. This is unfair. Yeah. You know, and God, he said, no one can steal what you willingly surrender. And as I processed that and unpacked it, it's like the Lord was saying, you don't have an option about what happened here, mm. but you do have an option about how you respond hmm. in it. And he said, as long as you view her as yours and you hold her tightly in your closed fist, then she will always have been stolen. Mm. But if you will surrender her to me, then she becomes an offering. Mm. And it wow. was like this moment of like, it actually gave me back some of the control right. that I felt Isn't like that I was, ironic. Yeah. That that's the case. Surrender. Yeah. Surrender gives you back agency. Yes. Like all of a sudden there is a Holy Spirit empowerment that happens. That's exactly right. That's other than yourself, but it can only happen through the channel of surrender. That's exactly right. It's so ironic. Isn't it? It's just like God's kingdom to work backwards like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The more you grasp for control, the, the, the less, less control you actually have. Mm -hmm. um, but the more you put it in the Lord's hands. Wow. That's right. Yeah. I love what you said there that, that, you know, again, the surrender, nobody can steal from you something that you've already surrendered. Right. You know, just like I hear the echo of Jesus's voice when he says, um, I, nobody took my life. Mm. I laid it down willingly. That's right. Right. So even the, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy in the narrative of all of this, right? Like all the fall, the creation fall and redemption, right? Is the fact that, that the enemy, he has stolen life from us. Mm. Jesus intercepted that by saying, well, yeah, but the way I gave life back is by surrendering my That's own. That's right. And yeah. he didn't steal it from me. That's right. Yeah. And wow. Man, mm -hmm. can you talk to me a little bit about how you and your husband, um, the emotions that you guys felt as you get this news and the and then, and then you were having to face like, we're going to deliver this baby mm -hmm. that is not going to be alive. Yeah, what yeah. can you, how did you and your husband particularly wrestle with that together? Yeah, I, um, 
I went very quickly into kind of at first like practical, like when you, when she said, you know, there's no heartbeat. I, I said, first of all, I was like, okay, so what do we do? Mm. And she just kept repeating. She said, there's no heartbeat. And I said, so what do we do? And we just, this conversation went back and forth a few times because I, th- I think she, she was trying to tell me there's nothing we can do for her. Right. And I'm going, so what do we do next? What mm. do we do now? Um, and so, you know, there's honestly, there's a, there's a part of you that just kind of goes into like shock yeah. of, okay, I, I'm just like surviving, yeah. survival mode. Um, but as we, as we processed and talked about it, you know, we had decisions to make. And so we, we decided, you know, we were going to um, continue with our birth plan, which mm. sounds so crazy now, yeah. um, but um, that we were going to um, that we were going to continue with what we had planned. What to, was the thought process behind that, unpack? Because it feels like there was purpose around yeah. that. But I think I think honestly, it was like this is so far um, off what we yeah. expected. But but we've planned for this moment, right. and we've we've planned for this, and and she's still our child, and we're still delivering mm. our baby, and we're still like there's still a, a birth story to come here. Mm. Um, and, and we wanted to protect as much of that experience as we could, even though that sounds so weird, Hmm. um, because we, we couldn't protect the thing that mattered the most, you know, we couldn't change that, but, but we did, we wanted to protect the experience. Hmm. Um, and it was a, I mean, holy, Hmm. it's a holy experience when you are realizing like, um, that death has passed through your body. Mm. in, in this child. Um, but that, you know, your child without even having been delivered here on earth has been delivered directly into the hands of Jesus. Mm. Um, wow. that the, the first face that she saw is the face of Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Um, and selfishly, I want the first face she saw to be, to be me, you yeah. know, my, my fleshly earthly perspective, um, but when I can look at it from an eternal perspective, it's like, that's holy yeah. and beautiful. Um, There's and not a better face that she could have seen right, yeah. in that moment. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's one of the things that in those of us who, I mean, First Thessalonians says, we, we who are followers of Jesus, we, we grieve unlike the world. That's right. right? We, we grieve with hope. Right. Because we know that um, our loved ones are in the arms of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's perhaps the most comforting thing that can, you know, come into our spirits is to know, hey, there's not, there's not a place on this earth that they would rather be. That's right. Than in front of Jesus Mm -hmm. in, in heaven. Um, And I know that sounds so trite, but like when you, when you lose somebody to that, like that close to you, it becomes so real, Mm -hmm. you know, that reality of like, no, 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 that like she, you know, Imogen's not, doesn't feel like she lost anything. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't, she's not longing to be back here. Right. Going, but wait, what about my mom? What about, you know, my dad? What about like, she is stepped into perfection yeah. in that moment. And that's one of the things we talked about a lot in the hospital was just like reminding ourselves and our family, our families came in and, um, and got to meet her and, mm. um, spend time with her after she was born. Um, 
and we talked about that a lot. Like Imogen's fine. Yeah. Like we're not actually worried about her. It's us. That's right. You know, that needs this comfort here on earth. And that's what grieving is really. When you, when you do, when you are grieving with the hope of Jesus, it really is about, okay, how do I cope with this now? Mm -hmm. Like, how do I deal with this? Because my loved one is great, better than they've ever been. Right. You know, (laughs) every tear has been wiped away from them. There is no pain anymore. There is no shame anymore. But me now, I'm left with the pieces of this and having to sort through this and still having to wrestle with, okay, I just feel like my trust in you, Lord, has been violated. Right. Yeah. So how do we rebuild this? What does this look like? Yeah. What, as you guys, so the, the birth process to you was really holy. Can mm-hmm. you articulate that on that a little bit more? I feel like I cut you off there and you didn't get a chance to talk about all of the, but what, what was that? What was that moment like? If you want to speak to that a little bit more, yeah, um, we our family had been with us uh, during a lot of the of the labor process, but then um, there there came a moment where you know it was time to actually deliver Imogen, and it was just my husband and myself in the room, and we had this worship playlist that had been going the whole time we mm. were there, and um, we just put our hands in the air and worshiped and the nurse comes in and she's like trying to hook me up to things and I'm going I'm like listen you can have my arm and do whatever you want but you don't get my attention right now because we're just like we're just like focused on the Lord um and and focused on like we're still praying and asking God let the doctors be wrong let there be a miracle but Mm. but still just so focused on him and so yeah she she got us all ready and doctors came in and we're ready to push and we're we're just we're singing like mm. while we're delivering this baby, we're singing mm. and we're singing, you know, we, we sang um, the song, raise a hallelujah. I'm going to sing in the mm. middle of the storm louder and louder. You're going to hear my praises roar. And there's something like <laughs> you touched on it a minute ago. There's something that comes over you when you walk through this yeah. and you start to, you feel invincible. Yeah, that's right. It's like you've been so knocked down, but at the same time you feel like 10 feet tall. Yeah. Cause you're like, you can't touch me. Right. Like you can take anything you want. Right. You can take, like you, th- there's nothing on earth that matters more to me yeah. than this baby right mm-hmm. here in this moment. So you can take whatever you want, but you can't touch yeah. me. So it's this like. It's so crazy. You realize in those moments that there's a part of you that the enemy cannot steal. Exactly. And I think so much of our worry and anxiety comes from, wait, like the enemy, like at the bedrock of it, what can be taken from me? Right. Like there's like everything can be taken from me. And then you realize in these moments, no, everything can't. Yeah. There's parts, there's a part of me. There is, there is this, uh, this, this deep intimacy with the Lord, mm-hmm. this, my, my ability and agency to choose how I'm going to respond in this, my attitude toward these things that can't be taken from me. That's right. You can do whatever you want to. And that's why I think scripture says, you know, don't fear the one, um, you know, who can, who can destroy the body. Mm. You're the one who, you know, who holds your soul. Right. So it's like what it's speaking to, obviously is a healthy fear of the Lord yeah. and not fearing or being anxious over, you know, what the enemy's ploys are in our lives. Yeah. But you're so dead on. I'm glad you said it like that. Like you feel invincible. Yeah. It's like, you just tried, you took your best shot That's at right. me. <laughs> you took your best shot and I'm still standing. Yeah. And now I'm going to walk through this and I'm going to turn this around on the enemy. That's exactly right. <laughs> by sharing, you know, through the gospel lens. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, if this, if, the, and it doesn't mean you're not devastated and broken mm-hmm. and shattered in so many ways, right. but it is just kind of like, um, you start to hold everything actually a lot more loosely. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
And it's like what should um, make you so fearful, like this should make you so fearful yeah. of like what else could go wrong? Yeah. What else could happen? If this could happen, we didn't have any warning signs. We didn't know this was coming. This wasn't on our radar. If this could happen, what else could go right, wrong? Right, right. But it doesn't. It actually does the opposite. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. Man. Maria, I wanted to stop this conversation because one of the things that I've been wrestling through is this idea that life works in seasons and mm-hmm. therefore relationships work in seasons. Mm-hmm. And you know, we had Deborah Faleda on the podcast yes. several episodes ago. She's an author, counselor, relationship expert, and she wrote a book called Love in Every Season. And I think this concept has just already transformed my relationships. Mm-hmm. And I love it. I love this concept because... My husband and I just celebrated nine years. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Thank you. But, but I don't mean to but that. <laughs> but. <laughs> the reality is marriage is hard. Yeah. And she talks about just the different seasons. And right. in particular, I was looking, you know, thinking about the win- the season of winter. Right. And, you know, when you've been married for nine years, there are seasons of winter yeah. and those seasons you don't want to talk about or you yeah. feel ashamed. You don't want of. to tell the world like, no. oh, we're, you know, we're kind of, it feels cold right now. We're struggling no. through this right now. Yeah. But what I love about her book mm-hmm. is um, that it doesn't make it feel like a bad thing. It's or not abnormal. To be, yes. Yeah. It's just normal. It's a season. The hard seasons does not necessarily mean it's a bad thing. This is, right. this, but if we have the right tools and we know how to move through these seasons intentionally, then that season can actually set the stage for a new season, a growth season. Exactly. Um, otherwise, if we don't have the tools, then we could easily, like in winter, for instance, it could easily freeze over. Mm-hmm. And so this has been a really helpful resource for me, me in too. any relationship. Yes. It's been amazing. So go buy her book at nothingiswasted.com slash love in every season. So as you guys begin to kind of grieve this, Mm -hmm. you know, as this reality set in where it was like, right, you know, like you said earlier, Imogen's fine, but now we've got to figure out how to mend our own hearts. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed some like peaks and valleys of that? process. Can you explain that to us a little bit? You're six months removed. So you've probably started to feel some of the the roller coaster of that for sure. That shock is no longer there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think because we really did when we were in the hospital, like we, we really believed God can do a miracle here right now. Um, and at first it was like, God, you know, we were praying that when she was born, she'd have a heartbeat. Um, and, and then when that didn't happen, we started praying. We, you know, my mind, your mind goes to like, okay, God, you know, what would be really cool mm-hmm. <laughs> is if she was born with a heartbeat, then I guess like somebody could say, oh yeah, the doctors were just wrong. They mm-hmm. missed it and not give you credit. But what would be really cool, God, is like if she woke us up with a cry in right. the middle of the night right? and then no one can deny that it was that you. That you raised her, yeah. Yes, that mm-hmm. you raised her from the dead. So we're like, we're praying these prayers mm-hmm. and like really believing that God can do these things, but he didn't. Mm. And so that's when, you know, that's where your faith, I think, starts to get tested in this, like, I believe God is good. I believe God is powerful. I believe God is able, but God didn't answer my prayer in this Mm. way, in this moment. And this is like, this is the most important prayer. I hope this is the most important prayer I ever pray. You know, like, I hope this is the biggest thing. 
So you do have to start to wrestle with like, okay, so what do I believe about God? Mm. What do I believe about God when he didn't? Um, and I actually, I turned to, um, you know, you quote, people quote the scripture in the book of Daniel, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, mm. when they're about to be thrown in the fire and they declare, um, our God will deliver us. Mm. Our God will deliver us from this fire. And the part that I always said next was, but even if he doesn't, he's still good. Right. And that's true. I believe that's true. I declared that like boldly. But when I got home, I started flipping through the Bible, looking through, through that verse. And like, I got to the passage and I was like, oh, that's funny. That's, that's not what it says. Let me pull out a different translation. Mm. And I started pulling out all these translations and I, I realized that's not actually what it says. What they say is our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will not worship the idols you've put in front of us. We will not bow. Wow. And it was this perspective shift for me of like, yes, even if he doesn't, God is still good. That is true. Right. But that declares who God is. And what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego actually said in that passage was they declared who they would be mm. when God didn't do what they knew he could, or if wow. God didn't do what they knew yeah. he could. And so I've kind of clung to that of like, okay, God, I know that you are good no matter what, mm. but who am I going to be? when you didn't answer my prayer the way I wanted you to, the way I needed you, the way I felt like I needed yeah. you to. Wow. Um, and again, though, that that transfers some of the power back on to me. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, God is the one that equips me of course, right. to make those decisions. Right. But it did give me a choice to mm-hmm. say, God, am I going to stand in faith and believe you are who you say you are, even when my circumstances don't look like it? Yep. Or am I going to bow yeah. to what I see in front of me right now, yeah. my feelings? Mm. Um, and that, that's easy to say and a lot harder to do. Yep. Um, well, what is, you know, you're right. It's, it is truly the, it's the Lord. It's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that mm-hmm. is in us, that empowers us mm-hmm. to be able to make those decisions. And I think sometimes people just underestimate the power of that spirit. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes like, whether like we don't, there's so many of us, we don't want to be, we don't want to be labeled as having a victim mentality. Right. But sometimes we still do by just almost by the sin of omission in some ways of not recognizing, wait, the Holy Spirit's power lives in me mm-hmm. and it's Jesus's spirit. Jesus is the one that first showed us the example of, you know, when he goes, Hey God, can we, is there any other way? Right. Can yeah. we do this any other way? Like he's praying some bold prayers. Like, can you totally change what your providential purpose was for yeah. all of time? Right. Like this <laughs> yeah. redemptive purpose that you had for since the beginning of time. Can we change that? Because yeah. right now <laughs> that's feel a lot better. It's not feeling so good, yeah. right? Right. And then when God gives him like, no, mm-hmm. we're not. And not just a no, but like scripture tells us he turns his back on him. Yeah. Like the full wrath of God is poured out on him. So he doesn't. Jesus demonstrates like he still holds to the joy yeah. that was set before him, right? Then he endured the cross. And this is the empowerment that we have. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you even if you're listening to this, you have not walked in a tragic situation, you can be assured that when you do, the first place all you just look to the cross. Right. Look to the resurrection, the empty tomb, and know that that spirit that raised Jesus from the cross, from the empty tomb, and raised him again, lives in you. And so therefore you have the ability already, yeah. the power of the Holy Spirit to say, I, no, I, like, I'm going to choose hope in this. I'm going right. to choose life in this. And um, 
and and pop psychology is going to tell you like you've got to regain some agency in these kinds of things yeah right but like here we are we're going no 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 like you can't regain agency like the holy spirit through you exactly helps you to regain agency so you're half right yes you're half right pop psychology you're missing the undergirding where the power actually how exactly yeah. exactly yeah wow um so you know you guys are wrestling through these okay god you're you know you didn't show up for me mm-hmm. in this but now 6 months into this i think one of the things that i really saw come through as we as kind of we heard from you and you know you sent us an email and and, mm-hmm. and um shared your story with us is what Imogen's story is now doing yeah, and what, how it's affecting change in people's life. And as you're sharing this, can you talk about what that has done to embolden you now to share this as you've kind of wrestled through some of that grief and now you're turning around, you're sharing these things. How is that? How has God shown up in that for you? Yeah. I, from really early on, like, we made a commitment that we want to tell the story in the middle. We want to tell yeah. the story as it's unfolding. And and for me, the reason was because so often we can look back and in, in hindsight, the gift that the Lord gives us right. is hindsight, you know, and you can see how a lot of the pieces have fallen into place. And I, I long for the day that, that we have a little bit of that hindsight yeah. and can go, Oh God, I see a glimpse of what you were doing. But, but telling the story in the middle was so much about going like, God, before all these pieces fall into place or before we see how mm. they're falling into place, like we want to stand firm um, in our faith that you are good now. Yeah, You're good now and you're going to bring good from this, but that's not what makes you good. Yeah. Like, it's because you are good that you bring good. <laughs> it just like comes out of him. Right. right? There's just this overflow because of who he is. That's amazing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so our, 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 our story right now is one of going like, we don't, we don't know yeah. how the story ends. And I don't know that you ever fully know the ending, right. Right. but we don't even know the next chapter mm. of this story right now. You know, I tell people, we don't know the extent of what we're grieving. We don't know yeah. if we're grieving. We know we're grieving. Imogen, this baby, this child. Um, But right now, you know, we're grieving the chance to be parents here on earth Mm -hmm. right now. Um, Imogen was our first, our only child. We don't know if that is going to change. We don't know what God's going to do next. But we can say, even when we don't know what he's going to do, he's still good. Even before we see how how this turns out. Mm. Um, And it is, you, you kind of, you attract um, people who are going through similar things. Right. Um, and so by telling her story now, we have the opportunity to talk to people who are, you know, day one of this, um, week week six of this or whatever, yeah. you know, and, and, and hopefully share some of that mm. um, even while we're still walking through it. Yeah. I love this idea of like sharing your story even when it's fresh. Mm. But what would you say to somebody who would say, I, I don't feel like I'm ready to share my story. Like what, I don't feel like I... Maybe I, you know, maybe I don't feel like I'm, I'm gifted enough to share, yeah. or I'm, in, I, I am empowered enough to share my story, or, or whatever. Do you, would you encourage them to step into it anyways, or how would you encourage them to do that? Because I think if there's really something there yeah. in regards to sharing it when you're raw, when you're fresh. I, I mean, I, first of all, I just acknowledge like everyone's grief journey is mm. so unique um, and is so personal. 
um, that I, that I would be careful to tell someone really like this is what you should do. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think there's power um, if and when you're able to just to just share, and it's not about like it's not about whether or not you're gifted or whether or not you um, have good words. It's like just tell people what God's doing. Yeah. Just tell people what God's doing. And, and for some people that may be earlier on than others. Right. Um, but, but I do think there's power. Yeah. There's power in giving somebody the opportunity to be like me too. Yeah, There's exactly. healing for me. <laughs> yep. You know, when I share something and people are like, oh, yes, me too. Yes. Like, oh, somebody gets that. It. That I think is probably one of the most powerful things in sharing your story mm-hmm. is you begin to find this like, this like hidden network of, of people that you didn't know. Yeah. We're also walking through pain. Yeah. And I think what the enemy loves to do, we talk about this all the time, he loves to isolate you in your pain, mm-hmm. make you think that you're the only one going through this. And if he can isolate you, then he can discourage you and he can end up, you know, causing you to go down these really depressing, despondent roads. Mm-hmm. But if all of a sudden you start stepping up and sharing and going, hey, this is what I'm going through. You take a risk, you're brave. And it doesn't have to be over a forum like this, you right. know, in front of, you know, hundreds of people or thousands of people. It can be to one person at coffee. Right. You feel this prompting the Holy Spirit and go, hey, I just want to share with you what God's doing in my life. Let me be vulnerable for a second. Or your small group mm-hmm. or something. To share that then gives the opportunity for other people to go, hey, like you said, me too. And now you have this, oh my gosh, there's this like this like community. We're on like even deeper of a level right now where we understand yeah. what walking through pain is like. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's greater bonds and community than you know, yeah. either walking through pain together or walking on mission together and ideally both, you yeah. know? Yeah. It's funny. I, I, I joke with people that I've connected with through this, that we say, this, this is the club that nobody wanted to join, right. <laughs> you know, like right. nobody wants, but once you're in it, you're so glad there is one, Yeah, you know, like you don't, it's not that you want more people to be in it, but you're so glad they're there yep. <laughs> when you realize that they are, um, yeah. because yeah, you need to know, you need there's something that happens when you realize there are people who are farther along in this than I am. And so they can tell me what's coming, but I'm also a couple of steps ahead of somebody else. And so I can then take what I'm walking through and pass it on to the next person. And it just kind of becomes this like, right. Like telephone game almost like, (laughs) let me pass it back, pass it back, pass it back. That's great. Yeah. To just walk each other through it. Yeah. Uh, Can you, and, and to the extent that you feel comfortable with this, especially with your husband not being here to be able to speak for himself, mm-hmm. but can, you know, a lot of times you see, especially in, in instances of miscarriage or losing a child, you know, at, at really any age, you see it put um, quite a strain on the couple mm-hmm. in their marriage and their relationship. Um, I imagine you guys have had to work through some things together. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what has this done for you and your husband and, maybe speak to some of the nuances of like how each of each one of you guys were grieving it yeah, and how you were having to kind of understand each other in that grief. Cause, cause I imagine that was probably the same thing. Like what, what does that look like between you and your husband in this whole process? Yeah. Yeah. My husband, like he is the one that people need to pray for because he has to deal with like his grief and mine. Mm. Um, and and I, I think that's a, a common thing. I don't think that's super unusual. Um, but certainly like in the early days, we definitely, we processed this differently. In the early days, I went into kind of like hibernation mode mm. because um, in this 
the, a, a unique feature of this kind of loss is that it's an ending right when you were anticipating a beginning. Yeah, right. So everything about your life has been geared towards preparing for this baby. I mean, right. physically in your house, financially, your body, your time, your car, like every part of your life has been adjusted yeah. to make room for this baby. Yeah. And then I say, it's like everything was supposed to change and then everything changed and nothing changed. Yep. You know, you, you come home with nothing. So I went into like just really hibernation for a while. Yeah. Like people could come into our home and spend time with me, but I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to be in public. Mm. You know, you're processing fact, like your body still looks pregnant. So I, I at Target a month later and someone comes up to me and says, when are you due? Uh. And I'm staring at her like, how do I answer this question? Yeah. Um, so I went that route. Um, real, real quick, yeah. how, how did you decide to answer those questions? So in that moment, I didn't have an answer. Yeah. And in that moment, I literally abandoned my cart and ran out of the store crying. And that's when I realized I need to prepare an answer mm. for that question. Um, yeah, but it's like almost impossible to prepare when you haven't gone right. through that. You didn't, you know? I didn't know. That's, that's like a you know, like a, a major trigger that happens exactly. right there and it, it'll take you off guard for exactly. sure. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're thinking, all right, so not only am I grieving the loss of my child, but apparently I still look pregnant oh. and that's like mentally, it's just like layer right, after right. layer. Um, and since then I have decided like what's mo I answer questions like that very honestly, mm. you know, and directly, um, you know, we do, yes, we have, yes, we have a child. We have one daughter. Um, she would be six months old, but she lives in heaven. Mm. Um, that's how I answer it. Mm -hmm. Um, my husband actually doesn't always want to answer it that way yeah. because for him, that invites more questions than sometimes he's prepared to answer. Right. Um, yeah. So his grief and in his grief, he needed to be doing something. Mm. He needed to like be active um, and so there was tension sometimes because what I needed was to be home and I wanted him with me and I needed his physical presence yeah. as a comfort. And he needed a little bit of like, I, I have to do something. Like an outlet an out in yeah, some ways. Yeah. Physical outlet. Mm. Um, so he, he um, built, he had this wooden beam from, um, from his uncle's barn that had been, yeah. you know, hundreds of years old. And he built a box for Imogen's ashes. Mm. Um, and so that was an outlet for him to just do something with his hands and do something that um, would last right. in memory of her. Mm. Um, there was definitely that tension. Wow. Um, and I think he also has spent, uh, his grief is kind of coming later yeah. when he realizes, okay, I think you're okay. You're, you're making it right now to me. You know, he's like, yeah. hey, she's going to, she's all right. So I can start to process yeah. Yeah. my own grief here too. How did you guys kind of discover that? Were there, were there times of like really open dialogue conversation? You remember yeah. any breakthrough moments where you're like, oh my gosh, like, and, and what does that do to your, for your relationship? Really early on, we had a conversation where I said, well, we kind of said, I, we asked each other like, what is what is healthy grief going to look like for you? And mm. what are some warning signs that you're not doing well? Like what should we be looking for in each other? And, you know, I don't know that you always have the, that your minds can even figure that out, right. <laughs> that you even know that. But what we did identify some things early on. Um, so I was able to say to him, like, I know I need some space to be alone and process this. But if I start to isolate myself too much, that's not going to mm. be good for me. So one thing you can do is to help me make sure like that there that I, I am talking to people and I am um, getting outside of my little 
my safe bubble. Yeah. And, and he was able to share with me the same thing, like that, that, um, from his perspective, he was able to share, you know, um, unhealth for me is going to look like, I just, I just want to move on and start new and try to like put this behind me. Yeah. Um, so we could identify some of those things and then, and then do that with each other. But we've also been in counseling. Yeah. And I will f- <laughs> fully recommend like, absolutely. There are things that we can't do right. for each other. Right. Um, yeah. that we need professional help with. Yeah. Um, or we need our communities to help with, with mm-hmm. each other too. You, you mentioned something earlier about specifically with your husband, um, you know, he has chosen not to kind of like answer some of those questions when they come up because it invites other questions, mm-hmm. which it does. And it creates this like, I mean, I'm, now I've got to lean into this. Not only that, but it it completely impacts the interaction that you have with it that does. person right there, right? Like sucks the air out yep. of the room to explain what just happened. They get awkward. They don't know how to do anything with right. it. Now you're overcompensating. <laughs> That's for exactly right. You're ministering to them <laughs> in this moment. You're like, uh, I'm sorry, but... But have you found, um, even in all of that awkwardness, maybe with the way you've approached it, the way he's, when you lean into that stuff, have you found any kind of maybe catharsis or healing or impact with other people? Like those are the th- types of things we, we really, many of us want to shy away from. Yeah. But, and I asked the question because I feel like I can recall sometimes where I'm like, I don't really want to have this conversation, but I feel like I need to right now. Yeah. And it ends up blossoming into something really profound for that person. Have you found that at all yet? Or is that, like, yeah, how would you? I, you know, I think that, um, a lot of times in grief, you, you actually, you have to teach other people how to experience grief yeah. with you, which right. is this backwards kind it's of thing. Very, yeah. But, but I wouldn't have known until I walked through it right. either. So it's not a, it's not a judgment on other people. It's mm. just, they don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are definitely moments that what, I feel like a lot of times what will happen is they'll, they'll ask a question. I'll answer it honestly. Sometimes catching them off guard, it gets super awkward. Mm-hmm. But when we push past that awkwardness, then someone can say, I had no idea. Um, I had no idea you were walking through this. Mm-hmm. I never would have known. Um, or I had that encounter there. Yeah. They, they had no idea. And they're going, what have I said? Or what have I done? You know, that, having no idea you were walking through this. And now that I know yeah. my interactions will be different. Um, or a mm. lot of people who are like, I said that. Um, and now I realize the impact that it has. So I think mm. a lot of it is, is like teaching people how to help walk us, walk right. with us through grief. Right. Which I feel like that, you know, there are times on the podcast that we do that where we're like, we're trying to, Hey, this is how you can help somebody who, who is in your life. But since we're on that topic, is there anything that you can think of as you've, you're so fresh in this, what would it look like for someone on, on the other side of, you know, on the other side of you, mm. how would that person minister to you well in this? Yeah. You know, like if you were giving kind of a, Hey, let me give you a, a 101 yeah. on how to minister to somebody who's just walked through, whether it's this specific type of loss or whether just any loss, this is what would have been really helpful for me in that moment. Yeah. Top things for me, like, say something like Mm. just like um say something even if you're afraid of saying the wrong thing yeah then tell them that you know like i don't know what to say and i'm afraid i'm gonna say the wrong thing Mm. but i'm sorry yeah you know it's almost like just that acknowledgement of it like really breaks down all these walls it's so true it's like oh yeah there's like a connection like a human connection that happens right right there that kind of cuts through like yeah 
any mistake you could make. Yeah, just exactly. by acknowledging it. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but beyond that, um, specifically in this type of loss, a, a thing that is really meaningful is when people talk about Imogen with us and say her name, because yeah. um, no one met her. Right. No one, you know, she doesn't. She doesn't have friends or, you know, people who knew her. And so people who will say, like, ask questions and talk about her is just is very meaningful. Mm. Um, who will let us be proud parents um, because there's it's it's this strange thing that like you're delivering. You deliver a baby who doesn't have a heartbeat and you still are so proud mm. in that moment yeah. of this child and right. this, this this daughter. Um, so that's really meaningful. Um, but the other thing I would say is. Um, that was really meaningful is people who reached out didn't expect any response and just, and kept reaching out. Yeah. Who just kept texting and saying, I'm thinking about you again today. Hmm. I'm praying for you. I'm, I'm wishing Imogen was here with us or whatever, just consistently without expecting anything in return. Because hmm. I think sometimes we're really well intentioned. Right. But it's almost like we, we want to help people. We want to be the ones to help people for us. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's like, what do I want to do? Aren't rather we than so what messed up as human beings? Sometimes? I know. <laughs> and it's, it's, we have good intentions. It is, like, yeah. or we, we think we have good intentions. Yeah. But so I think that's a part of it is just recognizing like when you're walking with somebody through grief, it's not about mm. what you have to give. And it's more about like, what do they need right yeah, now? That's great. But, Kelly, this has been really awesome. Um, there's one question I want to ask, and, and I hope I can ask it the right way because it was just, it was just prompted by something you just said. Mm. But, you know, anybody who has kids, they are constantly taking their phone out and they're showing pictures to other people or they're sharing it on Instagram and they're going like, oh, you know, I'm so proud of my kid. Look at my kid. And they're able to share that with the world. If you, uh, right now, you know, you're, you have an opportunity to share with tens of thousands of listeners some things about Imogen. Mm. What what would you share about her? Mm. Just in the, you know, relatively brief time that you had with her, what would you share? That's a that's a really beautiful question. Um, I would share she had a head full of curly dark hair, um, which was not a surprise. My husband and I both have both have curly dark hair, um, so we were just enamored with that. Um, the sweetest little lips and chubby cheeks. Mm. Um, and she, the whole time we were pregnant, like she did flips and kicks <laughs> in my belly the whole time. Um, so, so we have, um, we, we feel like we know a lot about her because of that. She's that a little she gymnast. Just, huh? Yes. A little <laughs> gymnast for sure. Um, mm. yeah. And, um, this cutest little button nose. Um, and she really, mm. we, as any proud parent would say, she was just beautiful. Mm. Um, she really was. And that's just a sweet gift, I think, that the Lord gave us to see her, um, just see her so beautiful yeah. for the the time that we got to spend with her. Mm. Man, that is beautiful. You're doing a lot of like sharing right now uh, of this story. Mm. You're speaking. Yeah. Uh, you have other topics that you speak on and stuff too. I've seen your, your speaking website, but you know... Um, you know, outside of the speaking as well as uh, what are some ways that people can just kind of continue to follow what's going on with the Strife family and and get more kind of in touch with the things that you guys are doing from a ministry standpoint? Yeah, the best place um, is Instagram. Honestly, I, I do a lot of kind of 
of sharing on Instagram. Mm. So that's a great place if people want to follow the story. Um, and I'm at kelly.strife. You won't be able to spell that. So you'll have to look <laughs> it up somewhere. <laughs> I know. When you told us how to pronounce it, I was like, wait, okay, I was going Streif. I know. So it's, it's S-T-R-I-E, right? E-I. E-I, that's right. It's Kelly.Strife. S-T-R-E-I-F as in Frank. F as in Frank. I will be spelling it that way for the rest I of my life. E except after... C, C and strife. And strife. <laughs> German <laughs> words. Yep. I know our poor Imogen Strife. We knew when we gave her that name, we were like, uh, she's not going to stand a chance. She'll be spelling it and I pronouncing know. it for the rest of her I life. Know. But now we'll be spelling it and pronouncing <laughs> it for her for the rest of her life. That's so true. It's amazing how we're homeschooling our kids right now. It's amazing how many times we have to say, uh, this is one of those exceptions in the English language. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> right. Like, what? <laughs> yep. Okay. So it, again, in, on Instagram, uh, Kelly, you say underscore? Kelly dot. Dot. Strife. Strife. Yep. Kelly dot strife on Instagram. And or kellystrife.com. Kellystrife.com. the website. Awesome. This has just been so, thank you so much for ministering to oh, our, for our audience, our community, and thank you for... Um, the way you guys are walking through what you're going through. Mm. And uh, you, you're right. You're going to continue to find layers and levels of grief. But in this, I'm so encouraged by how you're sharing your story right now in the middle of it. Mm. And it's, I mean, I would love to talk to you, you know, six months from now, a year from now, because there's going to be so much more that God's revealed to you Absolutely. through all of this and his narrative and the metaphors. But I think one of the things that just to encourage you that I thought about as we're sitting here having this conversation, um, you know, you, you delivered... Um, this baby uh, who was not alive, but it has birthed something. Mm. And I just keep going back to this. Um, the verse that Jesus said, unless a single seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. Mm. And the Imogen's life is going to continue to um, have multiplying impact um, because of her death. Yes. That quite possibly it would not have had to the degree. Absolutely. And so I, I'm just proud of you guys for carrying it the way that you're carrying it. Mm, thank and you for that. That's really a beautiful picture. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again for joining me and thanks for uh, having this conversation. And, and if you're listening to this, you definitely need to get in, you know, connected with Kelly and, and the Strive family. And, um, but again, this has just been an honor to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you. It's my, been my pleasure. Loved that interview. Mm -hmm. So good with Kelly. Mm -hmm. Now, we just want to thank, again, Sleeping At Last for providing the music. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Love it. And you're going to go listen to Six? I'm going to go listen to Six. You are. I am. I'm doing it. <laughs> um, Maria, we uh, we have really, really enjoyed having you. I've loved being here. And co-hosting with us. I've and loved it. So before we sign off, Maria, why don't you tell us a little bit about where we can follow you and the things that you're doing? Yes. So I'm on Instagram pretty actively. <laughs> so you can follow me at Maria Hatch Bowersack. And then my website is mariahatchbowersack.com. Yeah. And so you wrote a book I called was just Oh Goodness? Say, yes. I wrote a book and a Bible study that goes along with it. Yeah. But Oh Goodness, the book and Oh Goodness, the Bible study. And yeah. you can find that on Amazon. Well, Maria, we have certainly loved having you. And next week we are being joined by another guest co-host. We're kind of doing this guest co-host tour here for a little bit. And uh, you'll know her very well. Her name is Carissa Sprinkle. 
She and her husband, Cameron, were featured on episodes 79 and 80. And she's going to be with us the whole month of May. It's going to be awesome. Yes. Uh, beginning with next week's episode. And next week, we have an interview with Mike Donahue. Fantastic interview. You're not going to want to miss it. You're not going to want to miss getting to know Carissa a little bit. So why don't you listen to this little clip from my conversation with Mike Donahue next week. When someone asks, hey, what's God's will for my life, at least for me, they don't mean what scripture has to say on the topic. Yeah. Scripture is really clear on it. Like 1 Thessalonians 5, be joyful, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for your life. 1 Thessalonians 4, flee sexual immorality. This is God's will for your life. Micah 6, 8. What does the Lord require of you? Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. But that's not what people are asking <laughs> when they're asking, what's God's will for my life? They're yeah. not asking about where is my heart and am I bitter and am I grateful and am I praying? When they ask, what's God's will for my life? They're going, what is the plan, God? Give me the plan. Mm. 